Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the podcast series, Malden Reads, Fahrenheit 451, a companion program for the NEA Big Read 2020 in Malden, Massachusetts, organized by Malden Reads, One City, One Book. I'm your host, Anne Durso-Rose, and today my guest is Elena Martinez. Elena is a resident of Malden, originally from Boston. She is an artist and a graphic designer and someone who I feel you want to have part of your village. She is very community-minded and spends much of her time volunteering and participating in activities that connect people in the community and promote a force for positive change. Elena designed the current website for Malden Reads. You can check it out at maldenreads.org, as well as the graphic image that accompanies this podcast. She has helped in so many ways to build community here in the city of Malden, and she also loves to read. So welcome, Elena. Hi, Anne. It's great to have you on this podcast. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited to have you be part of this conversation because we've been talking about the book for a while. I know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot to think about it. Yeah, Yeah, so I want to start with, like, what is your relationship with this book? Did you read it before this um, program started in high school or...? Yes, actually, I read it many, many years ago, and I don't remember this book. I remember I didn't have any connection. I didn't feel like reading it again. Um, And even when we started hearing that this was going to be our book for the year, uh, I was a little skeptical. <laughs> mm. You know, I felt Me like, too. oh, really? How are we going to do this? Or mm-hmm. what's going to be the connection? And I found that I read one chapter and I put it down and somehow the book kept calling me back. You know, there was more into it Mm -hmm. and I felt some reality into it. It's almost like I was living the book. Mm -hmm. It definitely seems like one of those books you you almost have to reread, read slowly. Um, You can't just race through it. It's a very short book. It is. It is. It's almost a novella. It's only Mm -hmm. like 158 pages, but... Mm -hmm. You don't want to read it quickly because there's a lot packed into. Yes, yeah, and there are a lot of different relationships that you find in the book. And one thing I found it it was almost like going back into that chapter and questioning it as I was reading it because I was feeling more comfortable with the concepts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what threw me off before. It was just too futuristic. Well, yeah. it definitely feels more relevant now than it mm-hmm. did back when I was in high school. That's yeah. for sure. Um, well, let's dive right in. What I'd like to do is start with comparing the two main female characters in the book, and that is Mildred and Clarice. Mildred, of course, is the wife of the fireman, um, Guy Montag. And then Clarice is the young woman that he meets right at the beginning of the novel who really, um, I think helps him to have an awakening, would you say? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Well, Clarice was very fresh in, you know, in the sense that she had freedom of expression. And for that, she was, you know, they, uh, they call her names. Uh, she was anti- antisocial just because she was expressing the way she wanted to be. She was actually very yeah. social. Yes, but exactly. She went against the grain of yes, everybody. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, one of the buttons that kind of got uh, pushed you know, when Montag started paying attention to her first, he was a little bit skeptical, you know, when he met her. 
he still had that thought of, oh, strange. Doesn't yeah. fit in. So Clarice, I mean, she she is very connected. She's very connected to people. She's very connected to nature. She's very tuned into her environment. Mm-hmm. And that is not typical of the people that you meet, especially Mildred, who is really mm-hmm. the exact opposite. Exactly. And, you know, I think Mildred was the product of um, saturation of technology. You know, once you really have no time to get unplugged. and She was you, always plugged in. She yeah, always had exactly. the seashells in her ear. Yes, yes. So if you can turn and change the channel and see the flowers, why would you get up? You know? And I think that she didn't even realize that's the sad part, that Mildred was living that life and never realized that she could step out of it. Her, her world was the four walls of television, yes. always having those seashells, which mm-hmm. were really earbuds. Um, and so she was, oh, she was never here in the present moment. She exactly. was always somewhere else. Yes, yes. So she was robbed of that expression. And that's why it was so fresh when Clarice appears. Yeah, because she is very tuned in. She's very um, much in the present moment. Um, she's just um, and very different from all the people around her, which is dangerous. Because yes, of course, yeah. she ends up getting killed I know, because I she's know, a, so, essentially yeah. a rebel. She's not with the program. Exactly. She was curious, and you know, she wanted to live. She wanted to experiment. She wanted to taste. I remember, you know, when she gives him, gives him um, the leaf and she compares that to cinnamon. So that's something that he was really curious about it, you know. And his reaction is like, oh, yeah, this is for real. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I think that Clarice really causes Montag the fireman, to have mm-hmm. an awakening, or, or she plays a big role. Yes, yeah. Because he saw that there was another face to the coin, you know. And once you, get, once you get that awareness, it sparks. If you stop, if you take the, the time to think about it, to experiment, to, if you have an open mind. And I think he was at that moment where he was questioning it. Um, and I think you know, that's by listening to her um, that gave him the courage, you know, to see, to you know, to follow what to question he was, his yeah. world yes. and to say, well, this there's something really wrong with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has this interaction with Clarice, and then he yeah. goes home, and the first first time we meet Mildred, she's just overdosed. Exactly, she's overdosed, and he has to call uh, the emergency, mm-hmm. and they actually pump her insides out and replace it with new blood and this is a matter of course i mean it's very very sad Um, yeah and you know it shows that that was the nature that was normal you know that was the norm in his world so when clarice and that right there he starts to leave that duality of you know just going home and look you know living this surreal life but then when he talks to clarice or she point something out he feels alive yeah so he started to say oh there's there's something more in here yeah yeah um what does Clarice have to say about nature and um 
I, I know she mentions like everybody drives so fast down the highways and they have to make the billboards longer because people are going 100 miles an hour and they can't read what the billboards say. Yes, yeah. Well, so. it's all about the attention span, you know, and the being, um, being present. You know, she was very mindful, actually, you know, because she decided that I'm going to stop and touch this just to see, experiment what it feels like. Um, and when she is describing to him how people, how the Beatles drive, you know, they drive so fast that if you actually show somebody a flower, they wouldn't recognize it. But if you just move the color red fa- back and forth really fast, they will say, oh, it's a flower. It's a flower. It's because a they always see it so fast. Exactly. Mm. So mm-hmm. they are not... They have seen it, the mind has seen it, but they don't really, they don't have the awareness. Mm. Here's, a, here's a quote. Um, he, he's walking down the street and he remembers something Clarice said one afternoon. She said, no front porches. My uncle says there used to be front porches. And people sat there sometimes at night, talking wh- when they wanted to talk, rocking and not talking when they didn't want to talk. Sometimes they just sat there and thought about things, turned things over. My uncle says the architects got rid of the front porches because they didn't look well. But my uncle says that was merely rationalizing it. The real reason, hidden underneath, might be they didn't want people sitting like that, doing nothing, rocking, talking. That was the wrong kind of social life. People talked too much and they had time to think. So they ran off with the porches and the gardens too. Not many gardens anymore to sit around in. So, yeah, see, from well, porches, and we we've already lost from I porches, know, you know. I know, and you know, just even having conversations, um, I think that reflects how it started to dissipate the individuality, because you could sit in the right, you know, in the porch right next to me, and you could be rocking, and I could be reading, but we are expressing, you know, our own feelings, our own individuality. Right. And I think with the transition into getting everybody into the same wave, those were the things that started going away. Mm. I remember, you know, you tell tell me because I know you do graphic design work and you're on the computer all the time. And I remember you telling me that when you get home at night, you don't even want to watch TV. You don't want to have anything to do with the screen and you do creative projects. Yes. Um, that's one of the things, you know, just to go back to my present moment. You know, I feel that, you know, the whole day I'm surrounded by things that I have to attend to that I have no control. You know, I have to be mindful of the technology, of the phones, of connecting with clients or managing their social media, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time it gets to myself, I don't want to do social media by using technology. Mm-hmm. I want to be doing social media by picking up the phone and calling you mm-hmm. or you know, just running into somebody right at the corner and having a conversation. Um, like I just had a conversation of half an hour about the book with someone, which <laughs> that was my social media and that was amazing. Um, so I really, at the end of the day, I try to close my day with something that um, something that I decide it's going to be mine. I'm producing. It could be knitting. It could be um, 
mixing essential oils. It could be... You know, you're very creative and yes, you have a lot yeah, of... Cre- I have a lot of, you know, very... Um, but they are very present. Uh, it could be yoga, you know, 10, 15 minutes of yoga. Mm. It's just that mindfulness of being present in the moment. You know, there's a lot of little things in the book that talk about being present. And there's a point where um, Captain Beatty is, like, describing how the world got to be this way. And, um, you know, how everything got fast, fast, fast and digest. And, yes. you know, the 30-second sound bite basically is describing, mm-hmm. even though we wrote this book in 1953. But he writes, um, the zipper t- displaces the button. And a man lacks just that much time to think while dressing at dawn. Yes, yeah, that's very true. Like every technology is more makes us more convenient and saves us time, but but it takes you away from the reality, from your reality. You know, it it takes away your decision making of, you know, how you want to live your moments, right? So it goes back and one thing, you know, this book for me, you know, personally has been a connection of mindfulness, decision-making, being awake. And, you know, one of the um, paragraphs that reflects that for me, it's um, after Montag is trying to read the Bible or trying to read the book. Well, let's let's preface that a little bit. So he, for those, he he wants to read. And and so he picks the Bible and, and you wonder a little bit, well, why did Bradbury pick the Bible? Like, I don't really think he was particularly a religious man, but I think that the Bible being such a core part of our canon of literature, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he picks the Bible and he's trying to read Ecclesiastes and I'm not a biblical scholar, but he's trying to read it on the subway. Yes. Yeah. And then um, the subway has these overhead that, you know, it keeps interrupting his thoughts. The speaker, the loudspeaker. Yes, yeah, the loudspeaker. Um, so the more he tried to concentrate on that, the environment sense his re- your retrieval of, you know, on, into his own, and it got louder. So should we read a little bit yeah. of that? Let's see. It's like advertising, basically. Yes, yeah, and that was very interesting. And it's a, I think I, as I remember, as you're looking for it, it was uh, for Denim's Dentifrice. And then, yes, Denim's Dentifrice. They told not Denim's. Consider the lilies of the valley. Shut up, shut up, Dentifrice. So he kept talking and the loudspeaker kept interrupting and right. He's trying to, he's trying to understand what the words are on the page and this advertising keeps banging into his, um, consciousness. Yes. Yeah. So, um, he tore the book open and flicked the pages and felt on them as if they were blind. He picked up the shapes of individual letters, not blinking. Denims spelled D E N. The toy lot, neither do they. A fierce whisper of hot sand through the empty sea. So this was the comparison of him trying to read and absorb all this yes, information. Because the name of the chapter is called exactly. the sieve and the sand. Yes, and yes, how so sand kind of goes through a sieve. Exactly what's happening. He's trying to read and absorb and the environment is pounding it out of him. 
Yeah. Yes, yeah. So this was very it interesting. It reminds me, you know, in like present day, you know, you try to read something on a computer, like especially if you're trying to read a news article now. You don't read the newspaper anymore. You're reading a news article. And the ads are just like you got to go around yes. them. They're popping in your faces. You have to click them off. You have to go around them. And you're just trying to read the news. Mm -hmm. And it's there in your face the exactly. advertising can't get rid of it yes yeah well it's you know taking your away your present you know it's taking away um your expression it's robbing your attention to whatever they you know wherever they want to direct you and that's exactly what's what was going on on the subway on his train you know, it was trying to force him to go the same way that everybody else was going, singing the song of interest. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. So when he realized, you know, he came, the train came to a stop, and he was still in that trance trying to read his book, but he realized, oh, here's this a moment where I can escape. So he's, you know, trying to get, hold on to that mindfulness that he had gain and he runs through the door and he decides to just run um and one of the passages and i will read that um and i think this is where this scale really tilt for him and he decided it doesn't matter what it happens i'm going to run for it and i'm going to see this through all the way mm -hmm. um the train door whistled open. Montag stood. The door gasped and started to shut. Only then did he leap past the other passengers, screaming his mind, plunged through the slicing door only in time. He ran on the white tiles up through the tunnels, ignoring the escalators, because he wanted to feel his feet move, his arms swing, lungs clench, unclenched, feels his throat go raw with air. So he really wanted to wake up. Mm -hmm. And this is his moment of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Well, you know a lot about mindfulness. I mean, you are a, a Buddhist and you yeah. attend the Buddhist center. So it's a lot about mindfulness. Yes. Yeah. And you know, throughout all of these, it, this has been, this book, you know, it puts my environment in perspective. You know, how much uh, do I make decisions? You know, I do, I try to consume uh, technology in a mindful way. You know, when I choose my programs, what to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. And I recognize, oh, that was good directing, good acting. Do I have to watch it? You know, it depends what I'm feeling, my body. I'm feeling my mind too. Th that's, yeah. that's the question of our day is how do we... Um, how do we make choices around media? Because we're just we're, we're just awash. We're awash in information. We're we're just you know surrounded by all kinds of media, and it's almost like I think about it like diet. Like you have to make choices about what you eat. Yes, and you have to make choices about what media you take in. Um, yes, yeah, but it also takes education. You know, it's doing an educated guess or educated consumerism. You know, because we still are going to be using it. You know, right now, this moment, we're using it. Yeah. But can we use it to, for good? You know, and mm -hmm. I think that's where mindfulness and 
we're sharing our thoughts. It's, you know, I bet um, so many people have different connections with this book. You know, for me, it woke up, huh, how mindful am I being in my choices, mm -hmm. in my technology, in um, selecting what I'm doing with my time. And especially with um, my connections with other humans, you know, I think with friends and family, um, I think this is one big part of this book that, and when um, the interactions of Montag and his wife clearly show that they have no emotional empathy. And that's the first thing that goes away when you, when you have too much technology because you are really not interacting with each other. Yeah, they've lost yeah. their they've lost their yeah. histories. They lost their stories. They couldn't remember. Mildred couldn't remember how she met her exactly. husband. Exactly. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. just and her family. Mm -hmm. She refers to her family, and her family is the people on TV. Exactly. And there's one line in there that you know because she talks about the white clown being on TV, mm -hmm. the white clown, and and Montex asked her, Millie, does the white clown love you? I know. <laughs> I know, but yes, yeah, it's all about, you know, connections. And I think that's the duality between Clarice and Mildred. You know, with Clarice, he has emotional empathy because that only happens when you're really talking to a human being. That's the only way. That's the only thing I think technology has not been able to replicate. Mm. Thank God. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yet. No. Yes, yeah. But Yay yeah, well, friends. yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know what? We're going to take a break right mm -hmm. now because I just want to give some information about the program very briefly. And this is such a great conversation, but we'll be back in just a minute. Twenty twenty is the tenth anniversary year of Malden Reads One City One Book, a community building program that invites the Malden community to read the same book and take part in a wide range of events and activities related to the book. This year's program, called the NEA Big Read Malden, is supported in part by a grant from the NEA Big Read, an initiative of the National Endowment for the Arts in partnership with Arts Midwest. To learn more about Malden Reads and the NEA Big Read Malden program. Visit MaldenReads.org. And we're back, and my guest is Elena Martinez, and we're having a great discussion about Fahrenheit 451. So, Elena, would you say that the ending of this book or the message of this book is at all hopeful? Oh, yes, yeah. I think, you know, especially if you read it the second or third time, or you know, just browse because it's pretty bleak. I mean, yes, yeah, it's um, analyze what you're reading, you know, with a different filter. <laughs> and I think if you compare that to the reality that we are living, because now we can see these not as futuristic, but we have some knowledge of what they are talking about. <laughs> You know, pretty much we are surrounded by the big screens and you can be, you can go into a room and see the four screens, right? And little screens. Yeah, he and doesn't the have the little exactly. screens in the book, but the little yeah. screens are just as ubiquitous well, and take yeah. as much of people's time. Exactly. You, you get on the subway and everybody's staring at their screens. Exactly. Everybody's got their headphones in their ears. They're not here 
in the present moment, they're somewhere else. And exactly. sometimes that's okay, but it's not okay all the time when we just begin to live in that world. Mm-hmm. So it, because what one of the things that happens is nature is disappearing. Mm-hmm. It, it, when you talk about the flower, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the air is gray and it's got, you know, it's, everything is turned brown because people aren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. They may be looking at a tree on a screen, mm-hmm. but the real tree is disappearing. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. No, I think it, it is helpful. And I think it's very relevant because it makes us think about what's happening to these people. You know, we can really see a clear picture of what happens when you get too much when it's given to you and your choices are taken away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's it's a very hopeful book in terms of learning, you know, just taking a, a well, personal stock of where you are and how you can reconnect. Yeah, so Montag, I mean, he's what saves him is to wake up, yeah. you know? And, you know, I've heard this saying, I'm not sure where it comes from, but it's the antidote to despair is action mm-hmm. yes and this is definitely a desperate point in history in this book mm-hmm. um but he's looking around and saying you know we can change this yes and yeah. you know he doesn't exactly change it but he escapes and he finds people that are resistors yes yeah and i think you know that's when you can see that he goes back to what i just mentioned the emotional empathy you know he become you know he became a leader to some people right um just because he reconnected and books i mean bradbury this is first and foremost a celebration of books and bradbury i mean uh for those who don't have this context bradbury never went to college the author he was completely educated in libraries and he had a love of books and in in you see that all throughout the book, but here's one quote from um, Montag saying to, to um, I think he's talking to Millie, but he says, maybe the books can get us half out of the cave. Mm-hmm. They just might stop us from making the same damn insane mistakes. I don't hear those idiot bastards in your parlor talking about it. God, Millie, don't you see an hour a day, two hours with these books and maybe. So, I mean, he definitely has books here as a key. That books store our history. They store our stories, our our knowledge, our things that think that people think about. Yes, yeah. Well, it's it's the history, and that's how um, through books you can learn about emotions that you don't get to experience. You know, we, a lot. I think a lot of the because you're reading about somebody else that's not you and in a different place and different time exactly so you get to analyze how does it feel yeah Mm. Mm -hmm. so um unbelievably our time Mm. is running short and i did want to mention um that um well you've been helping a lot you've you've helped a lot with malda reads and um this year this book has been translated into over 33 languages or at least 33 languages from what i hear and we have available here in malden um we have uh, versions in chinese arabic spanish french and portuguese and i think you just tracked down yes two vietnamese versions we have a large vietnamese population (laughs) here so i was 
two of the librarians could not track down the Vietnamese version. They yes, said you had to yeah. go to Vietnam to get it. So I don't nope. even know how we you got, got them. them. So they are um, available at the library right now. Um, yes, yeah. And we have uh, a person in our community who's an artist, a, an embroidery artist from Vietnam. Exactly. And she really struggles with the English yeah. language. So she's going to read the book, I Yes, hear. I told her we are going to read it together and... I said, well, let's find the connection of how you will, f- how, what will it mean to you if you could not embroider? That's mm-hmm. how I, that's the question I gave her, mm-hmm. you know, in trying to understand why I wanted her to read this book. Because mm-hmm. embroidery is her life. Exactly. She's yes. Just... And she said, no, I want to be interviewed by, yes, yeah, but think about it. If part of that technology does not include arts and crafts, what will we do? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think I will become you know the underground rival. It's like okay, no, we have to paint. <laughs> yes, yes. So it's just finding those connections yeah. of what these overall of um, not having books, not having those choices, and all the technology gives you just what you are going to be consuming does not include any of those things that you know, right now are relevant to our lives. Mm. You know, like the, you know, for her it will be the embroidery. And I love that you're yes, doing that because yeah. it really is about what Malden Reads is about is mm-hmm. we really do get people to read mm-hmm. from all different backgrounds um, that are sharing this same experience of reading the same book. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's making those connections. What does it mean to you? Yeah, you know, on that note, I think you know, there was another quote in here which uncle you know Clarice's uncle you know he gets mentioned in a few ways and he was very wise so he's like the um he's bringing this reality to the book these real stories of how it used to be mm-hmm. and what it meant to people before all this was taken away um and one of the uh one night uh, Montag just goes out of his house and he stands outside Clarice's house, and he overhears one of the conversations. Uh, so I just wanted to read, wanted to read one of the things that he was saying. Well, after all, this is the age of disposable tissue. Blow your nose on a person, wet them, flush them away, reach for another, blow, wash, wad, flush. Everyone uses using everyone else's coattails. How are you supposed to root for the home team when you don't even have a program or know their names? For what matter, what color jerseys are wearing as they trot out on the field? So I think it, you know, that in itself, it makes you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Our connections, how much are we paying attention? Mm-hmm. Well, Elena, this has been a great conversation. There's so much more we can say about this book, but we're doing it in half-hour blocks. Yeah. Um, each time I have a different guest and we delve into a different part of the novel, but it's been so great to talk with you. And I know that um, you've just been having lots of conversations with people about this book, and we've been sharing it. So, um, Yes, you know, it's been a great experience. It's just starting. We have a whole year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, we yes, have people yeah. meeting up at you know breweries and cafes, yeah. and even a oh. discussion on the Malden River. So yeah, see, and one thing I wanted to mention is that I I mentioned 
um, that I wanted to do a group discussion with knitters. And they say they love the idea. So we are going to be listening to the book and knitting. And that's, th awesome. that's going to be... <laughs> That's great. Yes, yes. So we are incorporating, you know, just still being present and reading the book and then analyzing it and that's sharing. Wonderful. I love it. <laughs> so that's coming down. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for being a guest and um, look forward to the rest of the yes. Malden Reads program and we'll talk soon. Excellent. All thank right. you so much. This podcast is recorded at MATV, soon to be UMA, Urban Media Arts. Visit matv.org for more information. Podcast graphic created by Elena Martinez. All music composed and recorded by John Garnis and Robbie Beeland. For more information about this podcast, visit maldenreads.org slash podcast. <laughs>